So we appreciate, as I said, everyone that is here and everyone that's watching. We're going to continue to talk about our favorite subject, and that's the outpouring, and that's revival. But we're going to find that tonight a little bit different in the sense that a big part of our assurance uh, or confirmation for revival is going to come from an unusual source. And uh, tonight's message title is Doctrines of Demons are confirming our coming revival doctrines of demons are confirming our coming revival so you might want to turn with me to first timothy chapter four and we will start there hallelujah first timothy chapter four i hope you follow along with me in your bible 1 Timothy 4, 1, Paul is writing, of course, to Timothy, and he says, Now the Spirit, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy having their conscience seared with a hot iron forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which god hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth paul is instructing timothy that in the last of the end time, and we're going to look at some words to um, express the meaning of what Paul is trying to get across. First, let's look at the word expressly. It's the uh, word retos in the Greek, and it means outspoken. Uh, for example, distinctly or expressly. So Paul is um, trying to get over to Timothy. He doesn't just say that the Holy Spirit says... He uses this superlative in the sense of the word that says expressly the Holy Spirit outspokenly like with just a lot of emphasis. The Holy Spirit is saying something concerning the end. Um, we find out that Paul continues to give us clues towards uh, what not only what the Holy Spirit is saying, but also what time frame in which these things will come about. The word latter here is the word husteros, and it means in a sense of the latter or later. Times is the word kehiros, which means a set or proper time, always an opportunity, a season, due a due time, short while, a time, and a while. When you put these together, what Paul is saying is that in the latter times, it's not just in the end times as a whole, but he's really trying to get across that towards the end of the end. Do you understand? In the latter of the end, towards when things get really close to the end of time and when the lord is ready to return and eventually set up his kingdom so you can understand what paul is saying here by putting it in some kind of vernacular like paul is saying close to the end not just in times but close to the end peter also had something to say very close to this and we often talk about this Let's go to Second Peter. Second Peter. Let's go to Acts chapter two. Peter's talking there, but it's not his book. Excuse me. Acts chapter two, verse fourteen. And Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them. You men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, 
Be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words, for these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days. Everybody say the last days. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And upon my my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come meaning towards the actual end where God comes, Christ returns, sent by the Father. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now this should give us some kind of telltale sign here that there's going to be an atmosphere when he says whosoever whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, that gives us an idea that there's going to be a mass evangelism. Not only is the opportunity or not only is it available like God will accept you, but it gives you an idea that in the end uh, there'll be a great outpouring. Um, Something, as I said, that this is very close in nature to uh, what Paul had to say to uh, Timothy. We know that on that day, Peter said, this is that which the prophet Joel spoke of. So we know that it began then. So the end times began then, which was 2,000 years ago. So all those things began to get or were made available, the outpouring, the prophesying, the dreaming of dreams. But Peter is saying something really more conclusive than that towards giving us an understanding of the end times and what the end times will be. When Peter says it shall come to pass in the last days, the word last here is eschatos, and it means, when I turn to the next page, I can tell you, it means the farthest, the farthest or the final of places of time. It's the end of, the end of, the last, the latter end, the lowest or the utmost, okay? Um, So what Peter is saying here is that, yes, the end has begun, but these things are going to be more, you might say, more active. And what will really identify these things, what will really identify the utmost end, the last of the last, will be, when you see all of this outpouring coming to the church, when it's really coming to its fullness. Now, what are we calling that? We're calling it a revival. We're calling it a return to the the book of Acts. So Peter is saying, this is that which the prophet Joel said, but in the last days, and the word last there, when you study it out and when we just, what we just read, those couple of definitions, it is saying that it is the utmost last it is the end it's towards the end the amplified says this i'll read it now this was concerning the first timothy chapter 4 verses that we just read just listen please but the holy spirit distinctly and expressly declares that in the latter times some will turn away from the faith Now, when it says some will turn away from the faith, that gives us a clue. That's not the world, right? That's telling us that that, that's got to be the church. They're turning away from the faith. So one of the ways that we mark the end of the end is that there will be a great turning away, so much so that it will be undeniable that something that has never been in the church before is taking place. There's an exodus towards unsound doctrine and doctrines of devils that will earmark what we would say this is the end of the end 
I'll go to this one or two times in this message, and especially we started out saying the title of this message is, has something to do with demons are confirming. The doctrine of demons are, is confirming our coming revival. Our great joy in what we're seeing unfold and what is continuing to unfold in front of our eyes is that as evil progresses and darkness comes to its, its fullness, there is also uh, a promise that we know. And the promise that we know is revival. So if this is all taking place, then it's a confirmation. It is, it is a neon, it's a marquee in front of us saying, the revival that your demons, I'm not going to thank them for it, but demons are testifying of the coming end and they're testifying of what's going to take place as far as God's outpouring in these last hours. But the Holy Spirit, I was reading from the Amplified, but the Holy Spirit distinctly and expressly declares that in the latter times, some will turn away from the faith giving attention to, to deluding and seducing spirits and doctrines of demons that doctrines, doctrines that demons teach through hypocrisy and pretentious pretensions of liars whose conscience are seared or carterized, who forbid people to marry and teach them to abstain from certain kinds of foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and have increasingly clear knowledge of the truth. I want to take just a moment uh, to share something and kind of help us um, understand this passage of Scripture. How many of you have read First Timothy chapter 4 before? At, at some given time, I think everybody in here that reads the word of God. Um, one of the things that it says here that I just read is that when this doctrine of demons really comes to its full expression, one of the things that it will be doing is teaching a doctrine that forbids people to marry. I often wondered, meditated on now, why would uh, that have any effect on the church as in apostasy? And uh, so I've got some definition here I'll, I'll share with you. And I'll just tell you this. I don't have all of everything that I will have, and some of it's still being meditated out. Gary Carpenter said a while back, he said the Lord told him, uh, because we're all real careful, us teachers, not to present um, uh, doctrine until it's fully baked, until the bread is fully baked. But then the Lord said to him, I like this, he said, when I tell you it's baked enough, then you need to share it. And may not, you may not have the, I don't know, he, he didn't say this, but my understanding is you may not have the full loaf, but if enough's baked, share when I tell you to share. So... Let me start with this. Um, the word forbidding here, forbidding to marry or forbid to marry, forbidding in the King James, is to is stop, for example, to prevent by word or act, forbid or just to hinder, to keep from, let, not suffer, withstand, um, and so that's that's it on that. So part of the Greek definition of forbidding is to uh, to hinder or to withstand. Let me read to you. We'll get back to that in just a little bit. Let me read um, to you something that comes from the Constitution. Uh, this is a direct wording from the constitution of a particular denomination let me go back for just a moment one of the things that this verse 3 in first timothy chapter 4 uh, is saying 
who forbid, I'm reading it out of the Amplified, who forbid, the King James, I believe, says forbidding people to marry. Uh, when you understand the Greek definition there, it's a hindrance to. And one of the things that I really believe and am have meditated on is that once once we see this scripture in the light of where it exists and what is happening in the end is that it will be the what will be taking place in uh in the church in the world that invades the church will not just be a doctrine that stands up and says i we we're 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 encouraging or we're telling people not to marry how you know, that sounds kind of, uh, I don't know where that would, that would be like the scripture over there that says uh, in the latter days, many will depart from the faith, or how does it say it? Um, my mind's not there, it's on this scripture, but it says um, that uh, denying, they will come in denying the Lord Jesus. Uh, obviously, no one is going to, we've taught on this extensively, no one is going to uh, stand up in a pulpit and make any progress in a church uh, saying I deny that Jesus is the Christ that's not what that scripture is uh, is referring to it is referring to that they will stand up and deny his teaching through teaching false doctrine so they will disannul or nullify his teaching that's how they deny the forbidding to marry is not necessarily uh, a, a false teacher i don't know how far they would get saying uh you don't get need to get married anymore what it's talking about is a doctrine or a mindset an ideology that'll come in and try to invade the church and try to invade uh uh the the the, the end time that will destroy uh the nuclear family that will actually hinder the thought process of a necessity for a man and a woman to be married and create a family together i'm reading a uh this is a direct quote or not quote direct words from the constitution of a fairly large sizable denomination i'm not going to say their name at least not right now, but let me uh, read this, take out their name in my own, my own thought here. The said denomination acknowledges as its sole head Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to read this. I'm, I'm going to tell you as before I read it, uh, there's not anything in here that I probably would take an exception on. I think as I read this, I'm like, yep, good stuff. And I think if anybody read this and said, what do you believe in your church? If you're looking for a church, you would say, if you come in and ask the preacher, what do you believe? And he says, well, let me read from the constitution of our denomination. And he would read this. This denomination acknowledges as its sole head, Jesus Christ, son of God and savior. It acknowledges as kindred in Christ all who share in this confession, the confession of Christ. It looks to the word of God in scripture and to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to prosper its creative and redemptive work in the world. It claims as its own the faith of the historic church expressed in the ancient creeds and reclaims in the basic insights of the Protestant reformers. It affirms the responsibility of the, of the church in each generation to make this faith its own in reality of worship, in honesty of thought and expression, in purity of heart before God, in accordance with the teachings of our Lord and the practice prevailing among evangelical Christians. It recognizes two sacraments, baptism and the Lord's 
supper or holy communion now how many would say that's a church i'd probably yeah that's a good you know that's a good constitution i don't have any problem with that let's turn with turn with me please to uh leviticus chapter 18 Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, chapter 18, and verse 20. Now, this is the Old Testament law, and this is the law of Moses, you might say, but it was God's law. Verse 20 says this, Moreover, thou shalt not lie carnally with thy neighbor's wife to defile thyself with her. And thou shalt not let any of thy seed, that's the children, pass through the fire of Molech. Neither shalt thou profane the name of, the, of thy God. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not lie with mankind, meaning man with man, as with a womankind. It's an abomination, an abomination. Now there's multiple scriptures in the Old Testament I could use for this, but let's just since you're in 18, let's go over to chapter 20. We're in Leviticus chapter 20. And uh, I could keep backing up and keep, you know, I could put a whole lot more in here. But I'm just going to start at verse 10. Here's the punishments for sexual immorality then by the law of Moses. And I will preface this. Everyone in here hears me. Everyone out there hears me. I am not saying that anyone present tense in 2000. 22 or in this modern era should be put to death for sexual immorality what i am saying is we're going to read what god thought of it then under the law leviticus 20 verse 10 says and the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife and the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death and the man that lieth with his father's wife hath uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. And if a man lie with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have wrought confusion. Their blood shall be upon them. And if a man also lie with mankind, that's homosexuality, as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death, and their blood shall be upon them. Now that was the written law, and that law, of course, was kept in after Moses took them through the wilderness, after uh, kings came into effect and Solomon built his temple. That law was put in the temple of God. That law was kept there now let's go to 2 Kings chapter 23. Okay. Turn to it right to start with. 2 Kings chapter 23. And we're going to read about Josiah, uh, the last good king of Judah. Kings of the north have already been really dispersed. At this time, to my understanding, Judah still in effect a nation, um, but there's really only you know one or two after him. That's it, and uh, then Nebuchadnezzar comes in from Babylon, plunders uh, you know Judah, plunders the temple. Uh, there's actually two plunderings of Nebuchadnezzar. But, um, you know, the first one is when he takes away the, uh, the captives. But here, this is well before then, but this is Josiah, the, one of the, the last good king. Verse 2 Kings 23, uh, verse 1. And the king sent, this Josiah, and gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem 
with him and the priests and the prophets and all the people both small and great and he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant which was found in the house of the lord so the book of the covenant was in the house of the lord we see that right that was there the law that we just read over in leviticus like if you do this if a man lies with another man he should be killed he he was they were commanded to kill him okay Verse 3, and the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statues, statues with all their heart and their soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people stood up to the covenant and the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest and the priest of the second order and the keepers of the doors to bring forth out of the temple, out of whose temple? The holy temple, God's temple, to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal. So can here's we got to understand this. Israel had so uh, backslidden that they had actually made idols, vessels to, to the God of Baal, and they had infiltrated and decorated or put all through the, this beautiful temple that Solomon built. And Solomon started, Solomon, if you go back, he's the one, you go back hundreds of years, he's actually the one that's guilty. He never brought it into that temple as, as far as I know. Although he did build temples um, to other gods for his wife, wives that faced, actually faced the temple of God. Now I have to go back and look and actually see if he brought any of those idols actually in. But nevertheless, it was just as grotesque. But things had so debilitated to the point that at Josiah's reign, all these idols were in... These, this beautiful once tabernacle in the wilderness that followed uh, or that Moses carried um, the, um, you know, the tabernacle of David that was just outside of Jerusalem waiting for the temple to be built. Uh, it carried the glory of the Lord and all the worshipers. We can't go into that. But here's our point. These idols were in, these vessels were made for Baal and for the grove, which is another idol, and for all the host of heaven. And he had them burned, or he burned them without Jerusalem in the field of Kidron and carried the ashes of them unto Bethel. And he put down the idolatrous priest whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places of the city of Judas, or Judah, and in the places round about Jerusalem, them also that burned incense to Baal and to the sun and to the moon and to the planets and to all the host of heaven. And he brought out the grove from the house of the Lord. More idols, more idols. I mean, it was just roach infested idol. Just absolutely this, this temple, this immaculate temple, this opulence of gold and so so beautiful that the the day that solomon uh sacrificed a hundred and twenty thousand sheep and the glory of god comes down and uh this is hundreds of years later now it is uh it's a church that's infested with demons it's a church just infested with devils and he brought out the groves from the house of the Lord without Jerusalem and unto to the brook Kidron. And he burned them at the brook Kidron. And he stamped it small to powder and cast the powder thereof upon the graves of the children of the people. And he brake down the houses of the Sodomites. The Sodomites, the word Sodomite, obviously you come from Sodom. And Gomorrah, and this is Sodomites, these are male prostitutes. And he broke down the houses of the Sodomites that were on the other side of town, 
on the on the low side of district on 10 miles away no he break down the houses of the sodomites that were by built right beside adjacent to almost connected to the house of the lord where the women wove hangings for the idol grove or for these idols and they would make these tapestries and worship and all this but um these sodomite temples were right beside the temple of god that's that's what we have to understand my good friend jim martin pastor jim martin and our favorite one of our favorites he he oftentimes knows more about what's going on around me than i know myself he sends me clippings at times or text or affords a uh something that's happening he did that this week to my uh surprise asked me if i'd seen this but i i want to thank him for bringing this to my attention this comes from fox news some of you probably seen this this is an article on fox uh fox news this week i think i received it monday and the title of this from Fox is a Florida church hosting an event for kids featuring drag show and forbidden queer literature. Now, I didn't I just I just copy and pasted uh, some of it. I didn't take the time to do all of it. The event will feature sessions on intersexuality, gender dysphoria and forbidden queer literature. A local nonprofit organization is hosting an event for the LGBTQ youth in, get this, Naples, Florida, on Saturday that will feature a drag show at the church. Now, some are saying, what's a drag? It's a man that dresses up as a woman with makeup and dress. And usually, uh, not that I've watched any, <laughs> but I just know enough that uh, it's usually kind of in uh, skimpy clothes, lingerie. And this will be uh, presented this coming Saturday, the 21st, at this particular church. The inaugural Youth Pride Conference, which is being hosted by the GLSEN Collier, will take place May 21st at Naples United Church of Christ. And it is intended for the LGBTQ youth seeking to explore the LGBTQ related issues they face today. According to the events page, youth 12 to 18 are intended to attend or invited to attend the all-day event which the organizer boasts will include free breakfast and lunch as well as a drag show from some of our local drag queens. Is everybody listening? Please, this is very important. Uh, this past Monday in her first, because I, I, I want to get this across to you, especially for people that say, um, uh, these are anomalies, these are certain, do you, are you getting this? This is, this is where we live now. This is the, the America that we live in. This is the fight. This is the war. This isn't some distant, this is, and this isn't just some anomaly. This goes on all the time everywhere it is being and it's becoming much more predominantly uh predominant this past monday in her first press conference uh for mr biden the press secretary you know that's the secretary that comes out and talks to the press uh miss kareem jean Pereira, her opening words were i am a, i am black gay immigrant woman the first of all three the first of all three of those to hold this position i would not be here today if it were not for generations of barrier breaking people 
before me. I stand on their shoulders. Do you understand where America is going without a revival? Okay. The constitution of the church denomination that you, you, you may have said, okay, he's setting us up for something, so you might have put your guard up. But if you didn't have a guard up and you just read that, and somebody said, my, this is my church constitution, without the Holy Spirit saying something to you, you'd say, that's, that's perfect. I can probably, you know, I can probably go along with a church like that. The constitution of the church uh, denomination that I read from is the United Church of Christ, the same church affiliate as the church in Naples uh, that will host a drag show and promote homosexuality literature to kids 12 to 18 this coming Saturday. Are you getting this? Okay. Josiah, the king, was the last godly king before the total destruction of Judah. Now listen very carefully. In Josiah's day, homosexual brothels stood right beside the temple of God. Inside the house of God was the constant, I'm going to use the word for, you know, application. Inside the house of God was the constitution or the law of Moses that said that if a man were to have sexual intercourse with another man, that that man should be put to death or be killed. The brothels were constructed so that the worshipers could leave the house of God and walk right next door and find a male prostitute. That's what was going on. It did not matter that the book of the law was in front of them and that they had come, they had come, become so demonized that the law meant nothing to them. Listen to this. This is what uh, Paul said in, in 2 Timothy 3, 1 says, Know this, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors and high-minded, heady and high-minded lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God and having a form of godliness. Do you think that the constitution that we just read was a form of godliness? But Paul says denying the power thereof from such turn away. Let me talk to you and let me speak very straight to the camera. And if it applies to anybody in here, I wouldn't I would be surprised. But there are people and I'm going to tell you, please listen those of you that are watching, because this is prophetic. It really is prophetic. In other words, it's not just a broadcasted application, but it goes directly to some people, and it'll help you because you do need help in this area. How do Christians ever concede to such low state? How do um, denominations go? And if you'll read about uh, the United Church of Christ, you'll find that for a long time they have been very sympathetic to the LGBT community and trying to help them uh, get their message out. How do Christians ever concede to such a low state? Uh, trying, trying to replace human compassion with God compassion. Trying to replace human compassion with God compassion. Trying to replace human love with God's love. And as I said, this is very prophetic. I can tell you how it starts. I can tell you how that, how can it go from those kinds of constitutions to where um, the pastor of that church uh, and the elders of that church would stand up and say, hey, let's give them their shot. Let's give them their shot. And let's let a drag queen come out here and tell our kids they have the option to do this if they want to. This won't be uh, verbatim. He'll probably text me in the next few days when he hears this message and give me the exact. But this is pretty close. I remember God saying to Gary Carpenter one time, human love or human compassion 
substituted for God's love or God compassion is as deadly as arsenic or he may have said strychnine. Both of them will get the job done. Okay, poison. In other words, green, ugly poison. When you substitute human love for what is so supposed to be God love, it's, it's absolutely arsenic. It's destructive. And here's how it starts. Let me describe to you how that spirit creeps in and gets a stronghold in a church, denomination, and how it works in the individual or how it works on the individual. And I'll say this, it's really, the bottom line, it's really, a, uh, it's really humanism at its core. It comes to a place of humanism. A person initially begins to feel that they are having compassion on a deviant person or people group who are outcast to much of humanity or the church. Well, it's not wrong to have compassion. Sometimes, because they have had pain themselves, they begin to feel an extra sensitivity to reach out with compassion to the hurting. Well, there's nothing uh, exactly wrong about that. That can be good in some ways. But the devil begins, he's got a whole masquerade of twisting things. Sometimes they feel that they have a special love for people that most people don't because unless, again, and this could be true, unless you've experienced pain, how do you know how to hurt or how do you know how to help hurting people? Some people feel, some people and churches feel a special call to the hurting and outcast. They feel a call to reach out past where other Christians, and uh, I say this comically, I hope, mean preachers like Bronk Flint have failed to go. Sorry, I, that guy, when, when he gets started on this, he's a little hard. Uh, but I've got to, I just love people so much. I just, I hate to condemn them. That spirit, that's how it gets. So in their compassion to reach out and be more compassionate than most, they begin to make concessions to the ideology of the deviant to prove their compassion and willingness to show the love of God. Step by step, they eventually become Naples United Christian Church. Let's talk about, let me just say this. I'm getting close to being done anyway, but I guess maybe not so much. A few more notes. But let, let, let me say this. You hear a guy like, you know, and I'm, I believe I'm a loving pastor. I want to restore these people. I said this before. If I run in, if I have an encounter with them at a store, um, if if uh, if a LGBTQ person uh, waits on me at a restaurant, I am very kind to them. I tip them like I do everybody else. I'm not sarcastic. I don't have a grudge, but I preach the word of God, and I and I'm preaching the word that says. Um, you must change or you will go to a lake of fire. We can help you change. We won't, we won't beat you over the head with your failures. We'll help you change. I don't know how many are hearing that message. That message is going to be part of our revival message. The, re, the message that I have tonight and the message that comes through the camera mostly are those who are on this walk and understand the end times. Again, the joy that we are experiencing in this message, although it may not be a jumping up, you know, ecstatic kind of jump, jump praise, but it is truth that doctrines of demons are confirming the end times. In the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to 
doctrines of devils. And if that brings about the end time, guess what is simultaneous with this comes the outpouring. Comes the great outpouring like, like we've never seen, like we've never ever experienced. I want to back up and read because it goes right into what I just read. Uh, step by step, they eventually become Naples United Christian Church, or at least they begin to take some kind of internal exception when people when someone preaches the word of God that such things are just blatantly sins. Now, if you're watching, if you're watching, I am not going to deny that. Some people have just a real love for people, a real love, and they want to see people. They're more, you know, some people could be more sensitive to hurting and wanting to see people restored. But you need to watch it because if there's something inside of you that takes exception when a preacher, someone like myself, in love says, these people. These people, there's no, they cannot, it, they cannot go to heaven practicing these things. They will wind up in the lake of fire. And I'll just tell you, I, I don't even have, a, the Holy Spirit is not even saying, watch what you say when I'm about to say this, because I'm checking. The pastor they won't hear this. And this message is not about, it, it's really not about that event or the United Christian Church. But that pastor and that elder, or are those elders, they are not born again. There is no life of Christ in them. They're absolutely headed to hell. Now, pastor, you shouldn't say that because only God knows no, not only God knows, I know, I know according to the word of God. And if I don't know according to the word of God, then I don't even know why I'm up here. If I haven't got enough proof positive by the word of God that I can look and say, no, they're not just a Christian that's mixed up. They, they're going to bring a drag queen into their church and let little kids introduce. There's no life in them. In fact, there's Ichabod which God has departed over that whole church. The only way there ever could be a Christian that could ever be in that church is they dipped in for a, a service. I don't know how, why, and found out, my God, I don't need to be here. But I can tell you the leadership is not born again, and there's no life of Christ in there. 1 Peter 4, 12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed, you shall, uh, ye may be able also, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he's glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as an, a thief or an evildoer or as a busy, busy, busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if first began, if it first began at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? It doesn't mean we've taught this. I'm not going to teach it again tonight. It doesn't mean that you're barely saved, that those that are truly saved are barely hanging on. Or that they're just, the word scarcely there doesn't mean barely, like very marginally. What it, the word there really could best be interpreted um, in our vernacular as critically. In a critical, the Lord takes it critical. 
he prunes us goes right back to the teachings of christ he prunes us and as i said this message is not about the naples united christian church nor is it about the event that is coming it is not it's not entirely even about uh, demons that are flooding the churches of america but it's mostly import most importantly it is the evident testimony of the end times which is a test which is testified by a great outpouring of god's glory amen amen let's all stand thank you jesus we appreciate uh any help that we get putting up chairs um maybe i should not have made that announcement sunday okay then maybe i got a I got a clue don't do that from now on just tell certain people and then i'm just kidding we hope that you had a good time tonight listening to the word of god those that are watching and everyone that's here get ready for this outpouring evil test of you know when you see all these things coming to pass i i still uh i think from time to time nothing surprises me but when i but when i get an article like this that not on some street in naples but in a church in a church that they're going to bring in a a number of men dressed up like women with wigs and makeup on and dance in front of our children so are we not in the end times is there not a revival coming glory be to god father we bless you and we praise you we thank you that lord as it gets gross darkness isaiah said said will cover the earth but the glory of the lord has risen upon us and we give you all the praise and glory immokalee is in revival and wherever you're at you're in revival as well. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening, tomorrow, day, and uh, we'll see you on Sunday. Amen. And if you have something to give, God bless you. Appreciate it.